This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand. So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent. So I get deep up, still coming up with lint. So I start my mission, leave my residence. Thinking how could I get some dead presidents? I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid. So I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up. This is a hole up. Ain't nothing funny. Stop smiling. We still don't nothing move but the money. But now I learn to earn cause I'm righteous. I feel great. So maybe I might just search for a nine to five. If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place, cause man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo, a taper, me and Eric being a nice big plate of fish, which is my good favorite Good morning, good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are live every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. on WWWE Real 1100 a.m. We also stream live on our Facebook page at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and on the Old Fashioned Health Network Facebook page as well. So, as we do every week, we start out with our shout outs. So, Shout out to my number one fan and to all of my family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Washington, D.C., Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Center, Alabama, Hobbs, New Mexico, and Columbus, Georgia, and wherever you may be tuning in to us, which I hope you are. So, as usual with our shout outs, I love shouting out new cities, so if you are listening oh you know what i think i left off charlotte north carolina hey charlotte i know y'all are listening i appreciate y'all all righty so we also um have our podcast platform um which is available as well uh, we're on um, itunes and google and a few more that i can never remember i need to get that together but anyway so i hope y'all are having a good week i have had an interesting week Um, having had uh, surgery. For those of you who are looking at me on Facebook, you can see my hand is all bandaged up. Um, So just a couple of points, because today is kind of going to be kind of a hodgepodge day for me. Um, Later in this morning, we will have our um, medical, excuse me, our money and medicine segment with Mr. Brian Ford of Northwestern Mutual. Um, But I just kind of wanted to throw together a few, um, a few little things here. So A couple of days ago, on the 17th, we celebrated World Prematurity Day, and that is a day that is really special to me because my daughter, Spencer, uh, was born a preemie. She was born at 33 weeks and four days, um, and we spent a whole month in the NICU, in the neonatal ICU, uh, here at Scottish Rite Hospital. And so, you know, preemie babies uh, have a place in my heart because I'm a preemie mom. And so I know what that what that struggle is. But just to give you just a little bit of information, uh, one out of 10 babies will be born prematurely. And that translates to about 15 million babies born premature every year. And there are lots of different reasons for that. Some are preventable um, and have to do with access to care. Um, One of the great organizations that you can uh, take a look into and donate to is 
the March of Dimes. Um, they are dedicated to um, stopping premature births and to doing all that we can to prevent premature birth, I guess I should say. In politics, so a couple weeks ago we had an election and here in Georgia um, we uh, had two Senate races um, that have yet to reach their conclusion. Um, so um, because neither candidate received the 50 plus one uh, percentage that they uh, needed to declare a victory, we are having a runoff here in Georgia. And so uh, the runoff election day is January 5th. And you can request your ballot to vote absentee because we are still living in the times of Corona. Right. Um, And so you can do your ballot request at ballotrequest.sos.ga.gov. Your request must be received no later than January 1st. And of course, the ballot must be returned by um, the closing time um, of the polls on Election Day, January 5th. So please make sure to make your plan to vote in this runoff. Very, very important here in Georgia. Uh, Lots of implications in terms of who controls the Senate and um, giving control of the Senate to the Democratic Party, for example, um, will definitely be more supportive to the Biden-Harris administration in these first two years of their term. So make your plan to vote and vote January 5th or before. Um, Giving you a coronavirus update. So to date, um, 11.6 million cases um, of coronavirus in the United States. And unfortunately, 250,000 deaths um, due to Corona. So as we are approaching holiday time, there will be, um, unfortunately, a lot of uh, empty spaces around our holiday tables um, this season. And so I wanted to take a minute to um, express my condolences and let you all know um, that, you know, I have been affected by coronavirus as well. I've lost friends and colleagues. Um, I've had family members to be affected. Um, And so, you know, you all, we all um, are in my prayers um, that we get through this thing and get to the other side of it. So as the holidays are approaching, um, you know, because we have been in various stages of lockdown or quarantining or sheltering in place, whatever you would like to call it. Um, and now as as is not um, atypical, you know, towards the holidays, we look forward to getting together with our friends and loved ones. Um, however, this year it has to be a little bit different Um, Because, as you all may or may not know, um, we are having uh, dramatic upticks in the number of coronavirus cases. uh, And we also are seeing again where our hospital systems are being overwhelmed in terms of the number of hospital beds that are available, particularly um, ICU beds. And so, you know, for people who um, come down with COVID-19, you know, we still don't have any predictive models that will say that, you know, this person will will be um, having a mild course versus this person will have a more severe course. Um, You know, we don't know until it actually is happening. We can't predict who is going to to fall into what category there. So when we are talking about your um, holiday gatherings, you want to limit your gatherings to your bubble. 
And so, you know, the question that you have to ask yourself is who is in your bubble? Well, the first people that are in your bubble are the people that are in your household, um, because those are the people that you have been around and you know where they have been um, more than likely. Um, so the more people that you invite from outside of your bubble to come into your bubble, they are bringing everybody from their bubbles as well. And so, of course, um, the more people they have had contact with are the more people that you will have uh, indirect contact with. And of course, that increases your risk of uh, contracting coronavirus and increases the risk of transmitting uh, coronavirus, particularly um, to our high risk populations. And so, you know, I, I posted, um, I think I posted it on the Medical Minutes um Facebook page, but I definitely posted it on my personal page that having a Zoom Thanksgiving is great so that way we can have an in so that way we don't have an ICU Christmas. Um, and so, you know, as we know, it takes a couple of weeks for um, the incubation period. And and once someone is infected, it takes um, a few days to um, up to a week before they show symptoms. And then, you know, then that's when the roller coaster really begins as to um, what course the symptoms will take. And so, you know, um, I definitely will encourage you all to not have any large gatherings um, if you have to have people over. Um, to keep your party in the single digits, so no less than 10 people, excuse me, no more than 10 people, um, so no more than nine people. Let's do that single digit thing correctly, Dr. Carissa. Um, and, you know, just so, you know, because so, I've heard some people that talk about having um, their uh, negative COVID test. And so just to give you just a little caveat um, there as well, that a negative COVID test is not necessarily a guarantee of negative COVID infection. And what do I mean by that? So currently we have two different types of tests on the market. Um, we have um, the PCR test, which actually detects the actual presence of the actual virus. And then there is the antigen test, which is the rapid test. Um, that's the one where you get your results back in 15 minutes, an hour, you know, whatever, um, whatever timetable that particular test is set up for. And the antigen test detects the antibodies to the virus. And so what that means is you have been exposed to the virus and now your body is mounting an immune response. And these types of tests pick up on your body's mounting that immune response. But now here is here is the catch with that that your body does not mount an immediate immune response. So you could have been exposed uh, to coronavirus today and not mount your antibodies anywhere from one to three weeks from your exposure. But during that time, you still could be shedding virus and transmitting virus to people who are around you. Um, and so that's why you really want to be careful about the type of uh, coronavirus or COVID-19 test that you take um, and the reliability that you have on that. So um, the, the more definitive test or the more sensitive test um, is going to be um, the PCR, which tells you if the virus is in your body um, at all. Uh, and so, you know, just kind of keeping, again, uh, in, in, in league with our timetable, 
um, from exposure to coronavirus to symptoms can be anywhere from 2 to 14 days. And from exposure to antibody production, as I said earlier, can be anywhere from 1 to 3 weeks. So, you know, don't rest your laurels on having a negative COVID test. And so that means that, you know, we can just have 50 people over to the house because then that could potentially um, be dangerous for you. Good news on the um, the vaccine front. Um, it appears that there are two companies um, that have, I think, Pfizer and Moderna um, that have um, vaccine in development and they are claiming 95 percent um, effectiveness. Uh, in this, of course, you know, I have not seen the data released from that, but both of these companies, as I understand it, are applying for compassionate release um, of this vaccine. Uh, and that process is happening um, through the FDA. If it hasn't started this week, it's happening in, in the coming weeks. So in early 2021, we may actually have we may actually have a, um, a vaccine um, available. So that is encouraging news uh, as well. So just a little bit on to our topic for today. So uh, Mr. Brian Ford, um, when he and I were talking about his, um, his topic that he wanted to present um, about what we're going to be discussing around the family uh, table this Thanksgiving um, from a money standpoint, and so, you know, I know that um, there are a few things, um, money being one of them, that can money, politics, religion, uh, that can make uh, family discussions uh, quite interesting. Uh, so when we come back, we are going to have Mr. Brian Ford from Northwestern Mutual on the line with us. We'll be right back after a short break. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. First Step Staffing is the largest nonprofit alternative staffing agency in the country. First Step prioritizes hiring men and women experiencing homelessness, veterans, and returning citizens. With support like job coaching and transportation, we help individuals reconnect and succeed in the workforce. With six locations around the country, 1,700 men and women are employed weekly. So if you are looking to hire or you know someone that is looking for work, visit FirstStepStaffing.com. Why choose Just for Pets Wellness Center? Compassionate pet care services featuring an experienced veterinary team to superior customer service in a caring and friendly environment. We offer individual attention and tailored treatment for each pet. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721.
And we are back. Welcome back. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa Hines, and I thank you again for tuning in and listening to us. Uh, for all of my friends and family that are watching on Facebook, hey, how are y'all doing? Hope y'all are having a great day today. So, Mr. Brian Ford from Northwestern Mutual is coming on to tell us about the things that we are going to be arguing about around the family Thanksgiving table. Mr. Ford. Good morning. How good are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good, good. Time to unplug and get ready to get fat and gluttonous. Getting ready. Week. Getting ready. Yes, yes. This is one of my favorite times. That makes me tremendously unusual, I realize, um, that the holiday time is my one of my favorite times of year because, you know, we sharing our food and eating together, you know, that's a love language. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that is how we we get to share share ourselves and share our lives through, um, you know, communing together and and sharing our our foods. And so, you know, it's a little bit sad this year um, that you know a lot of families won't be able to get together either at all or in totality. Um, you know, my family we're doing a Zoom thing. Um, I think, um, you know, and we usually get together for Christmas and we're not doing that either. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's really, really disappointing. But as I was saying earlier, a Zoom Thanksgiving is preferable to an ICU Christmas. Um, So back to you. November is Long-Term Care Awareness Month. I learned that from one of your colleagues. And so let's talk about it. What are we talking about around the family table this Thanksgiving? Um. Well, first and foremost, it's kind of you know giving thanks and being appreciative for you know the things that we can be, be thankful for this year. Amen but when, that. when when it comes to you know all things money and wealth related, and you, you hit it on the head. You know this this month is Long Term Care Awareness Month, and so you know part part of money and planning is also planning for longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the actuarial science shows that us as humans, we continue living longer. We're living longer. That's right. Oh, oh, the the downside to that is because of the, the extended life expectancy, unfortunately, our bodies just kind of get a little frail. And we just yes. need help doing regular day-to-day stuff. Exactly. Um, and so at, at the Thanksgiving table, you know, this is a very you know, opportunistic time to start having some of the discussions around that to where... You know, if you ever get to a place where you're so compromised and you can't take care of yourself anymore, what happens? What happens? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, unfortunately, I meet a lot of people who have not had that conversation and don't have that plan together. And so it is we have to make a decision right now. And, you know, whatever is available, that's what we have to choose from. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it and it adds um, an incredible amount of stress to an already stressful um, situation because you're dealing with, um, you know, in in the instances of the ultimate long term care, which is nursing home care, um, you know that that creates quite a bit of a strain um, for families um, in, in getting ready for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and I mean, the the reality of it is, you know, just the way that society is set up today is there's a lot of geographic dispersion. So, you know, mm-hmm. children move out of the home and they move, you know, anywhere across the country. Right. And so when it comes to, let's say, a parent per se, and, you know, their health starts to decline, 
a lot of times children aren't even you know nearby anymore to where they get to just drive up the tree. Care. Sure, sure. And so you, usually the, the the care has to come from some third party, and unfortunately it's not free, and so the Ooh, money has not. to come from somewhere. So I'll just take it a step back and just uh, do a little quick uh, education piece for my audience. So when we talk about long-term care, like what is long-term care? So long-term care is a variety of services that are designed to meet a person's need either over a short to a longer um, period of time up to and including the time of their death. Um, And it is initially designed to help a person to continue to live as independently as possible and as safely as possible in that independence um, when they can no longer perform some or all tasks of their own. So there's a spectrum of it um, where, you know, you may have someone that has a condition where they need assistance, for example, with dressing and bathing themselves, um, but they're otherwise independent. So that is kind of like the, the beginning of that spectrum all the way up to someone requiring full care um, that may be performed in a nursing home most often and can also be performed in the home. But when you talk about the expense of that, that's tremendously expensive, um, you know, to have like a live-in nurse that's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so just so that you all have a, a frame of reference of what we're talking about, um, because, you know, a lot of people are familiar with um, nursing home care um, because any of us or many of us rather, you know, have had a relative or have heard of someone going moving into a nursing home for, for various reasons. Um, but there are lots of other different um, services that long term care um, encompasses as well. And we'll get to that. Yeah. So. Most long-term care is provided at home by an unpaid family member, um, but can be provided for in a nursing home or in an adult daycare center. So my question, Mr. Ford, is when you have someone, when you are fortunate enough to have family that is nearby and you have someone who can um, you know, come into the home and take care of the other family member, um, how can that unpaid work be accounted for um, in terms of taxes, like is is there a vehicle for that? Um, not exactly. So one one of the things you could do is you know that with some of the long term care plans that are out there, um, they a lot to allow a family member to get some formal training to administer the care. Okay. Uh, and so that, that that can be helpful just to kind of ease, you know, the, the actual logistics of doing what, what sure. needs to be done. Because a lot of times. That can be intimidating, too, especially if you don't have a medical background, um, you know, that you are assuming medical care for a person. So, so now let's talk about the different types of, of long-term care plans. And, sure. what, and what some of them may offer. Certainly. Um, so, you know, when long, well, first I should have back up. So when long-term care was first uh, introduced to the marketplace as a product, you know, a, a lot of the companies that, that offered it kind of went into it with uh, two assumptions that unfortunately didn't pan out the way they expected it to. Hmm. Um, the one, the, the first assumption was that most consumers wouldn't actually keep um, the the plans that they uh, signed up for, and so that that didn't happen. So people actually kept them. And then the the second assumption was 
most people who did have the plans would actually never use the plans and file claims. Ah. And so that that never happened either. People actually started filing claims a lot. And so over the course of time, and, and so as you'd imagine, because of those two assumptions, the pricing of the premiums for, for those plans were not not where they should have been. And right. so over time, one of two things happened. You had a, a lot of companies who completely just abandoned offering plans altogether, um, or you had other uh, companies who had, you know, multitudes or several uh, premium price increases just so they can absorb and have money available to actually I honor the, the services. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's kind well. of a backdrop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, now you fast forward to the current day and you, you look at the marketplace and as you imagine, there's a lot less uh, companies just overall in volume that, that do offer plans. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the plans themselves has, has evolved over time. So one of the things that happened when they first introduced them and they used to offer lifetime benefits to where so long as someone needed care, the, the monthly benefit just kind of kept rolling in as long as they needed care. Well, hmm. because people kept living longer and whatnot, right. they, they abandoned offering lifetime benefit. Otherwise, the, the company would just bankrupt themselves. Wow. Um, and so that went away. So for the people that are listening, if you have anyone with lifetime benefits, I mean, those, those are treasure troves. Like, hold on to them. Right. <laughs> They're not available anymore. Wow. Um, and and until so you look at what's available now, and there's typically going to be some parameters around a, a pool of dollars that's available to address care. Okay. And at, at a certain window of time. Um. So for for example, you know, statistically, most people are on claim for right around three years, mm-hmm. and so a lot of a lot of times you can design a plan that says, "Hey, we're going to provide." a monthly benefit of 6k per month um, and so you do the math on that so you know six, six times 12 so you're at 72 uh, and you know you, you extrapolate that out for three years and that's going to be the pool of money that you have uh, to address any for, extended care planning that you need so that pool of money is going to be for everything that you would access under long-term care correct hmm okay so what happens? What happens if there's a year four? So the the interesting part. So that six six thousand dollar monthly benefit. Usually, what happens is you know extended care events are they're uh, graduate they graduate kind of in terms of the need for care. So more than likely, you won't need all six k right up front. Okay. So let, let's say you only need two out of the six. Gotcha. Well, the, the, the remaining 4K doesn't just magically disappear. It actually stays with that pool of money. Ah, gotcha. And so, so that's okay. going to naturally extend out the, the period of time gotcha. that the, the money is available. So you still have to budget these dollars even even in, your, in those last years. So someone mm-hmm. has to be a good steward of, of that resource. Yes. Wow. And the, and okay. the, and the other thing you want to be mindful of is really two things. One is inflation, because you know the statistics say most people experience an extended care event usually in their late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And so, let's say you're a healthy, you know, fifty-five-year-old adult today. Well, more than likely, you know, hopefully you never need care. But in the event if you did, right. 
that these are dollars you're not going to touch for the next, you know, two decades, two and a half decades, 20, 25 years. Hmm. Well, the dollars that you spend today are going to look very different 25 years out from now. Sure. If you think about if you went and bought a car today, let's say a car costs $40,000 today. Well, 20 years down the road, that exact same car is going to cost you, you know, 50, 55K. And so you want to make sure that those dollars that are designed to, to cover extended care are going to have the same purchasing impact. So let me. So now let me ask this. So if we are saying that you have a three-year cap per se, and and correct me if I'm using the wrong verbiage, a three-year cap, but you're going to start paying on this, being conservative or being generous, you're going to start paying on this 20 years before you need it. Mm-hmm. But you only will have three years three years of use per se, calculating an average. So now 20 years of paying a premium seems like a lot to get three years of benefit. How does, like, how does that square out? Sure. So if if you start running the math on that, so Mm -hmm. let's say your premiums were um, uh, maybe two grand or 2,500 a month a year so if it was two grand a year so across 20 years it's only forty thousand dollars so the premiums are low gotcha correct but but just stretched your dollars out to afford you know two three four x more than what you paid in premium gotcha so you have a low premium so now I, i assume does the premium increase the closer you get to the time of use or is there um, so I guess two questions. So there's that. but And is there a window at which that opportunity is closed and you cannot sign up for it? Yeah. So the, as you'd imagine, you know, like most things in life, things are more expensive the longer you wait. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> in particular with, with long-term care planning, it's all based on actuarial science and uh, morbidity. And they're looking at and saying, okay, for someone who's further along in, in life, they stand a higher chance of experiencing a claim. Mm-hmm. So from the insurance company's vantage point, they need to make sure that they collect enough premiums to be able to honor that claim. Gotcha. And so that's where it is advantageous to your point to start planning around the stuff sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way you can, you can spread across a longer period of time the premiums that are needed. And that'll sure. allow the, you know, the cash flow from a you know, monthly or annual cash flow to be a lot more um, palatable. And this sounds like it's it's a in in terms of your your plan for your life, your estate plan, if you will. Um, it seems like it's a lot more affordable from a monthly premium standpoint. Um, you know, if if you start early, correct. Um, and so even if you start in your forties, fifties, it still can be somewhat affordable, assuming that you would access that once you're in your seventies. Absolutely. And from from my vantage point, you know, me personally even, so I, I've been around and seen this stuff enough from dealing with clients and whatnot. So I already have plans, you know, on myself and my wife mm-hmm. to say that, hey, you know, we have three children. I never want to be in a position to where I'm forcing any of my children to make a decision around how they can live their lives later on. And right. Little old me is frail off in the corner. can't take care of myself anymore. Right. Because that's, you know, that's a um, that's a big, big topic, um, you know, because a lot of like when I've talked with my parents and, and, you know, 
parents of my friends, you know, that's the big thing is that, you know, I don't want to be a burden to my children, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, I don't look at it that way. You know, for me personally, you know, your parents raised you and took care of you. So you I won't say you owe them, but this is something that you should freely give from your heart if you're able to. Um, Correct. But then there's the 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 caveat that I just put in that statement, if you are able to. Um, you know, because a lot of people are not, you know, if you live in a home that may be already filled to capacity, you don't have room to bring your your mother or father into your home, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you, you just don't have the capacity in, in other ways. And so it isn't always a thing of not wanting to. It, it really, really comes down to, um, you know, not being able to for, for a lot of different reasons. Um what else was I going to ask you? So long-term care. So <laughs> make a plan for that. Have that conversation. You know, um, we have talked, you know, when we've had our, our money and medicine segments before, we have talked about having these difficult conversations. Um, and, of course, you know, nobody wants to bring down the holiday vibe um, by talking about, you know, what are we going to do with you, mom, dad, once you get old and infirmed. Um, but, you know, you really, really have to think about that um, and figure out what your part in that is going to be. Um, because from my standpoint on the medical side, you know, I've seen a lot of people who had um, like partial benefits um, or either they had to sell off a lot of their property in order to qualify to go into the nursing home so that, you know, Medicare would kick in and pay for the nursing home. And even after that, the family still had to contribute um, money to the monthly expenses of, of this person being in the nursing home um, if they could do it at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that, you know, it really, really can get into some really, really garish um, situations when we start talking about the dollars and the cents. So even if your heart is in the right place and you want to do X, Y, and Z, or you want the best nursing home possible, um, you know, for your mother or father, um, you know, this long-term care can be um, expensive, um, you know, because even some nursing homes I've seen, and this was some years ago um, when I was in private practice, you know, you're looking at $4,000 a month for a shared room in a nursing home. Correct. You know, yep. so four thousand dollars doesn't even get you your own room. Yeah. Which was incredible to me to you know to learn that figure. I was like, wow. You know, because you think about what you could do with four thousand dollars, you know, on the outside. Now, of course, that is twenty four hours, seven days a week care and all of the meals and medicines and and all of that. But still, you know, that's that's um, that's quite an investment um, there. Yeah, and I mean to. to kind of echo your point of just kind of bringing down the mood across the holidays in my opinion you know being proactive and having that conversation while everyone is healthy yes it's dramatically way less painful than waiting until event happens you have no idea if if you wait now all of a sudden you know time is not on your side anymore Mm -hmm. um Emotions are running high. Mm-hmm. People are making great irrational decisions. People are groggy and cranky from staying up and not getting enough sleep thinking about the stuff. It is way more messy by waiting. Most certainly. And and you, if you have never been involved in this situation, let me tell you, it's an ugly thing to witness. 
um, because all of the ugly things that we feel towards our family members come out when it's time to make these kinds of decisions. Yeah, and I mean, the, the reality of it, a lot of times when I work with clients that have children, and, you know, you, you love and care about your family, I'm, I'm just being candid with them when I'm having these conversations. I'm like, hey, you know, I know you love and care about your children, but, you know, if we turn the blind out of this, you're really jeopardizing the integrity of your family. Definitely. Because, unfortunately, a lot of times, once the dust settles and everything's all said and done, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to have siblings, like, no longer on speaking no terms longer at all. Speaking. Yes, indeed. That does happen as well. Um, and, and so, you know, it is it's important to have the conversation. It is important to have that conversation if you have more than one child with, you know, like, all of y'all get together and just have the conversation so that way everybody understands what your wishes are mm-hmm. um, because again you know there could be someone being accused of having an ulterior motive because you're the only person that allegedly had this conversation with mom and daddy and now you know mom and daddy can't necessarily do the playback and say yeah I did say that or no I didn't um, you know and so then you get into all of that um, and and what's even better is to write all of this down and put it somewhere where everybody knows where it is or give copies to your children. So that way everybody knows that this is, you know, this is what you wanted. You wanted your oldest son or your oldest daughter, whomever, or the baby to take care of this for you. Mm -hmm. So that way you kind of can put the onus on yourself. If they won't be mad at somebody, you can be mad at mom because this is what mom wanted to do with her life. Um, and, you know, and so it kind of helps to save those those familial relationships um, that can get touchy, because, of course, um, when we're waiting to the last minute, um, you know, this was an unexpected thing to happen, you know, because maybe your parent has been sick for a while, but you just didn't know that this was going to be the last time that, you know, they were going to be able to come home and be in their home. Um, And so now it is time to make a decision as to, you know, where mom and dad go from here. Um, And and it is particularly tricky if both of your parents aren't going into a nursing home at the same time. um, Because what happens to the other to the other parent, um, particularly if they are not um, 100 percent able to do their ADLs or activities of daily living and take care of themselves alone. Um, And then, you know, as you mentioned, Mr. Ford, about, you know, children go up and grow up and they leave the nest. And so you may be here in Georgia and your your children are in New York. One may be in California. And so from a, you know, from a geographical standpoint, who is going to be there to manage the day to day? Um, You know, you may not want to move your parents to where you are because that can be incredibly disruptive um, as well. So, you know, so lots and lots and lots of factors um, that go into um, making these decisions and having these conversations. But moving on, there were some other things that we wanted to discuss. Yeah. Even though this one is, this is a good one. This is a good one. A very good one and very relevant. Mm-hmm. So um, you were talking about, you had mentioned about like family, family real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so think thinking in terms of, and we, we kind of touched base on it before a little bit in terms of thinking about, you know, possibly collaborating to where, 
if, you know, one individual doesn't have the capacity or the bandwidth to take on a piece of real estate as an investment opportunity. Mm-hmm. But by just having an open and candid conversation around a Thanksgiving table, you may discover that, hey, my brother or my sister or my, my dad, some, someone else in the family also has some aspirations of owning real estate. Mm-hmm. And if we could team up and collaborate, it, it may be more obtainable and more realistic to actually walk away from the closing table a little bit faster. So, so that sounds great. But whenever, you know, whenever I, I think about um, combining money with, with outside folk and even, you know, even within family, that's if they're not in your house and, and a part of your budget, that's outside folk. Um, like, so what things should we do to set up? You know, folks are funny about money and I, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, what things should we do to set up? Like, do we set up a corporation? Like, how do we keep that so that? everything is above board, everything is transparent, everybody has put their money in, and everybody knows what they're going to be getting out of it. Yes, yeah, so you, you definitely do want to have um, some form of a separate entity, to your point, to make sure that there's a clear distinction of, hey, that this is, you know, investment money, particularly for the real estate, mm-hmm. separate from, you know, my pile of money or your pile of money type. Right, 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 right. That can come in the form of a LLC, S Corp, family limited partnership, um, and you know, really depending on you know what you're looking to do long term will kind of influence which one of those vehicles you end up leveraging. And so, when you go to do this property, the property would be in the name of whatever entity you mm-hmm. created. Correct. Okay. And what, where it could get sticky, though, is let's say even after all the collaborative efforts, maybe you still need to take out a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a mortgage company is going to want some form of a guarantee tied to an individual. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's still going to drill down to there's going to be at least one person that's really on the hook for the mortgage. Got it. So let's see. That's important to know. Because I can, I can totally see tables getting flipped over this one little question that we didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it happens. You know, it, it happens all the time. Um, let's see. We talked about a family. We mentioned about a family business ventures as well. Mm-hmm. And kind of similar to the real estate to mm-hmm. where maybe there's like a, I've seen people, you know, team up with franchises or if there is some original business idea mm-hmm. um, and it makes sense for, you know, a team of siblings to, to partner up and, and start some business from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be way more doable. There was just more resources available. Right. And not not just the financial resources, but the, the brain power. Sure. Where, you know, maybe maybe you got one sibling that's an engineer, you got another that's an accountant, another that's really gifted at sales. And if you team up and collaborate, there's some very magical things that can happen versus well, trying to tackle everything on your own. And that kind of magic can, can definitely be used now, especially with you know, people unemployed and underemployed, um, you know, that now may be the time to strike out into the world of entrepreneurship um, and, you know, being your own boss and and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So very, very good. All righty. So good conversations that we can be had, that we can have, excuse me, um, around the Thanksgiving table surrounding money and wealth and how we can grow wealth 
and how we can, you know, get ourselves situated for the years to come, particularly um, with our parents and elderly uh, family members. Um, anything else to add, Mr. Ford? This segment just flew by. My goodness. <laughs> it really did. My goodness. Um. I mean, I can keep going on about. Yeah, this we're gonna have to do a we're gonna have to do a part two for this one. <laughs> yeah, I most think, certainly. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I would I would say this is probably a good good stopping point. Otherwise, we'll we'll definitely run dramatically <laughs> overall. <laughs> so I tell you what. So since we will have our our last money in medicine segment for the year next month, let's continue this conversation into into next month we'll, we'll put a pause perfect. here and then we'll we'll pick that up so that way we can have a, a good way to end the year and a good way to start the year on how we're going to grow our wealth as a family around the family holiday table that well, sounds uh, like an excellent idea yeah as always mr ford thank you so very much for sharing your expertise with us we appreciate it and we look forward to next time you have a happy thanksgiving you too all righty so that was our money and medicine segment and this is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we will be back after a short commercial break. Rejuvenation for youthfulness and beauty is trending worldwide. People are getting laser hair removal, Botox, dermal fillers, skin brightening, tightening, lifting, and reshaping. SmartPlex ATL, a comprehensive medical spa, located in East Cobb, 4799 Old Town Parkway. You can also visit us online at smartplexatl.com. Dr. Alexander and his team enjoy pampering you while you receive customized treatments in a beautiful, calming, zen-like atmosphere. Smartplex ATL, we are your Hollywood destination for exciting, youthful rejuvenation. sure to listen to the Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In the Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund. On, on the, the Old Fashioned Health, Health Show. Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in. On the Real 1100. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on MTV. That ain't working. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We just finished yet another phenomenal session with Mr. Brian Ford of Northwestern Mutual um, talking about long-term care services and um, the other types of uh, financial uh, wealth conversations that we can have with our family members around the holiday table. So um, just to wrap up just a little, little bit about long-term care um, services in these last few minutes that we have, 
Um, one of the things that I mentioned was ADLs, and I, I forget sometimes, and I'll use an acronym and not explain myself. And so um, ADL stands for Activity of Daily Living. And so when we in the medical community are looking at someone's ability to be independent uh, and to live on their own, there are a few activities that we look at in terms of can they do them at all or can they do them safely? So, you know, we are able to make a judgment as to whether this person just needs a little bit of assistance with a few activities or are they a complete and total care, like they need someone to do all of these things for them. So um, your activities of daily living are bathing, dressing, grooming, toileting, eating, uh, and transfer movements. And so transfer movements is just that, you know, are you able to move from one situation to the next? Uh, so for example, are you able to transfer from your chair to the bed or from bed to standing? Um, because you would be surprised to learn um, in the ER, I see a lot of, of elderly people involved in falls in the home because they were trying to get out of bed. Um, mostly it happens in the wee hours of the morning when they're trying to get out of bed and go to the bathroom and move a lot quicker than they um, are able. And next thing you know, they're in the floor and, you know, things happen. Sometimes it's just a little bump and bruise and sometimes, you know, there are broken bones involved. So those are the things that we um, we look at and evaluate. Um, you know, can someone do those things safely? So who needs long-term care? Um, basically, anyone um, can benefit from long-term care depending upon their their situation, of course. Um, so it can come into play after a sudden illness, such as someone having a heart attack or a stroke. Um, for a stroke, that's a, a good example. If someone needs to uh, learn how to um, do activities that they once could do very easily or if they have to learn how to do it with an opposite hand or or something like that and so you know more often the need develops uh, gradually for long-term care as someone gets older or if someone has a chronic illness and they become more and more infirmed uh, over time um, or they may have a change in marital status, as I mentioned in my conversation with Mr. Ford. So if you have two, an elderly couple, and one person, you know, something happens to them, then what happens to that other partner? Because it may be very difficult for an elder person to care for physically, care for another elder person, you know, in terms of lifting and, you know, doing all of those um, types of things. So those may be um, situations where long-term care services come in. So... Um, briefly, the types of long-term care services, so there is home health care or nursing services, and so these are individuals who will come in, they may take vital signs, they may administer medications, they may even do um, physical exams and report back to, uh, to a physician who can make some decisions um, based upon those assessments. You also have personal care services who are individuals who help with household chores, meal preparation, um, that type of thing. You have um, senior companion services. So you have someone who's a senior who's you know at home and they're just home by themselves and that can um, be a worry for their family. So you have someone that can come and just kind of sit and spend time with them uh, for, for a block of time. Also, your senior transportation services and your emergency medical alert systems um, falls under a type of long-term care. So that would be like the life alert. And we all, if you're of a certain age, you remember that commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. And then you press the little button and help comes um, to help get you out of the floor. 
Um, also, um, adaptations to your home. So uh, wheelchair ramps um, may be, you know, a type of long-term care service or those chair lifts. So if you have um, multiple levels in your home and you need to get upstairs and downstairs, um, those lift services, you know, the little, it looks like a little elevator, but it's a chair that the person will sit in and ride up, ride up the stairs so that way they're not falling um, up and down the stairs. And so, you know, the whole goal of long-term care is to try and keep people in their home environment and as independent and safely independent as they possibly can for as long as they can. Um, because as you would imagine, um, you know, we, we are creatures of habit and a part of that habit is our environment. And so if you get to a point where you can no longer live in your own home amongst your own things, um, you know, that can be somewhat devastating. Uh, to, to a person to have to completely uproot all of the memories and, and the lifetime that may have been spent in this home and go live in a room, essentially, and not living according to your own rules, you know, because you can't just come and go as you please and, you know, do all of the things um, that you may like to do. Um, so again, you definitely want to make your your plan for your long term care, and that starts with a discussion um, with the um, with the uh, appropriate people that you want involved in your decision making. And you know, as Mr. Ford highlighted, it is much much better to have that conversation when it is not an emergent conversation when you can have it and have it out and hash it out and have questions answered and and all of that. You also want to write down your plan and you want to let someone know where that plant is located. So I do not have a vitamin C for you all for this week. Um, and I don't know why I don't. I just don't. But at any rate, I've run out of time. So I just want to take this opportunity to wish you all a happy and safe Thanksgiving. I can't believe that Thanksgiving is like a whole week, you know, just a week away. It just seems like this year has lasted like 15 years. And now here we are almost at the end of it. So as I always say, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and have a great week. Next week, we will not be live because it is Thanksgiving, and so we're going to rebroadcast a show. So later on today, I'm going to have a survey up on our Facebook page of which of our wonderful shows you would like to hear again. So please um, participate in that and let us know, and next week will be a rebroadcast. So we will see you all in the new month of December. Y'all have a great week. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another Old Fashioned Health Network show on The Real 1100.